I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Today, we're bringing you Episode 5 of the podcast series Degrees of Abuse, produced by our colleagues at Al Jazeera's investigative unit. In it, they explore how several elite universities in the UK are dealing with complaints of sexual harassment, sexist and drunken behavior, and coercive control. In this episode, you'll hear about another case of abuse at Glasgow University in Scotland. It's an extraordinary story of a blind date and a murdered wife. Here are Deborah Davies and Alex Howlett from Al Jazeera's investigative unit. And remember, this series deals with topics of sexual assault, grooming, stalking, physical violence, and harassment. That's the voice of a Pakistani radio journalist, Sonia Bukhari. She hosted a cookery show where women in northwest Pakistan shared their favorite dishes with her. I'm now looking at a picture of Sonia from 2014. I wouldn't show it even if this was video and not a podcast. It's Sonia lying dead. And there's a post-mortem report. It's brief and brutal. It says one entry wound to front temporal bone, one exit wound. In other words, Sonia Bukhari died from a single gunshot facing her killer. I didn't do justice to my talents. I've been unlucky in so many things. That's Zaid Khan, Sonia's husband. In a YouTube video in 2015, a year after her death, he's strolling in front of the huge Faisal Mosque in the capital, Islamabad. The video describes Zaid as a lecturer and poet. The more I got sensitive, the more I got mature, the more I started loving reading poetry and writing poetry. So how does this self-proclaimed sensitive poet and his murdered wife in Pakistan fit into a series of podcasts about sexual misconduct in British universities? Well, of all the stories we've been investigating over the last two years, this is the most extraordinary. This is Al Jazeera Investigates. I'm Deborah Davis, a reporter with Al Jazeera's Eye Unit. This is episode five of our six-part series called Degrees of Abuse. And my name's Alex Howlett. I'm a journalist with the Eye Unit. In the first four episodes, we heard from several women who shared their experiences of sexual harassment and how their universities didn't investigate their complaints. One of the main issues we discovered is that even when multiple women complain about the same man, the universities don't hear the complaints together. So they don't see the evidence, 
proving sexual misconduct is usually a pattern of behaviour, not just a one-off. The final two episodes show what a dramatically different picture can be revealed if you do investigate thoroughly and pull all the evidence together. And that's what we've done here. Our investigation began not with that 2014 murder in Pakistan, but in Scotland in February 2018 with a date that didn't go well. So we originally met after matching with one another on the dating app Tinder. He was kind of presenting himself as a feminist media scholar. Dr. Rebecca Harrison, or just Becca, was a lecturer at Glasgow University in theatre, film and television studies. Zaid Khan was a PhD media student, apparently at another Scottish university. He was older than Becca, with an established career, so she thought they'd have a lot in common. Too much as it turned out. But there was something that didn't feel right. And certainly in the first half an hour or so, he kind of did this big reveal. Oh, actually, I'm doing it in your department. I just didn't want to tell you because I didn't think you'd come on the date. But I also felt like he had deliberately obscured who he was and therefore lied to me to get me on a date because there is absolutely categorically no way I would want to date someone who's a student in my department. I then said, well, okay, I'm really uncomfortable with that. This is no longer a date. Becca says he kept reaching out to hold her hands. And so I had to keep pulling my hands away from him and saying, please, can you not do that? This is making me quite uncomfortable. I just want to remind you it's not a date. And this was, again, just like another enormous red flag. He said, your body and your lips are saying no, but your eyes are saying yes. He then asked me if he could kiss me. And I said, no, this isn't going to happen. And then after me categorically saying no to him kissing me, he just grabbed my face and forcefully kissed me and put his tongue into my mouth and I pulled away. Becca said she told Khan she needed the bathroom, grabbed her bag and left. Becca checked and found Khan was indeed a second-year PhD student in her department. She wrote it off as a bad date. But a couple of months later, she heard he'd been offered a teaching role, which would include young undergraduates. So in June 2018, she decided to complain. There was absolutely no way that I could allow him to do what he'd done to me, to people, again, who were more vulnerable, who had an even bigger kind of gap in the power dynamic between them. All British universities have a policy on acceptable behaviour. Glasgow's Code of Conduct says students must not use threatening, offensive, indecent or violent language or behaviour, including sexual violence or abuse. Becker believed that applied to Zaid Khan grabbing her hands and forcefully kissing her, despite her repeated protests. In June 2018, she reported him through the university's official complaints procedure. The Human Resources Department didn't reply for two months. Their email to Becker is read by an actor. 30th of August 2018. This case is more complicated than as usual. 
The student is known to us due to an ongoing police investigation and this is the reason we've not yet been able to take any action against him as it may prejudice that investigation. I wish I could say I was shocked, but I wasn't. I actually weirdly just felt vindicated because it supported everything that I had thought about him and made me think, no, I was absolutely right to have those feelings. That was reinforced when HR told Becca that three other women had complained about Zaid Khan, at least one of whom went to the police. The woman who complained to the police doesn't want us to use her real name, so we're calling her Patty. She's a social worker. She was newly divorced with two young daughters when she met Khan in Edinburgh through a dating app. And if you're wondering when Pakistan is going to crop up in this story, the answer is now. During a phone call, Patty told us part of Zaid Khan's appeal was what he said to her about his tragic past in his home country. I will never forget it, he said. I have never told anyone this before, but I am here doing my PhD in the memory of my fiance, Sonia, who was shot dead because she was a journalist. We've spoken to several other women who were involved with Said Khan. None of them wanted their names used. One woman confirmed Said Khan also told her his fiancée was killed in Pakistan because she was a journalist and he found her dead body at their home. Another woman we spoke to says Khan claimed his fiancée was crushed to death by a lorry while he was working abroad. But yet another woman says he told her all his family were killed in an air raid and never mentioned a fiancé or a wife. The social worker, Patty, didn't know any of this when she began her relationship with Zaid Khan in early 2017. That was soon after he arrived in Scotland to start his PhD. I mean, I remember him talking about moving in to live with me in Edinburgh and, you know, I felt, gosh, that's really quick. But, you know, he was incredibly charming and charismatic. He moved in with her and her two daughters. He talked of marriage, but within months, the relationship began to sour. She says he wanted her to cut off contacts with friends and accused her of seeing other men. It had now merged into this emotionally abusive relationship. I remember one day clearly him grabbing my phone and reading through all of my messages and throwing my phone and smashing it calling me a bitch all of the time and a slut. We've spoken to another woman who had a short relationship with Zaid Khan. The woman says she spotted Patty on Khan's social media. She reached out to warn Patty that on their dates, he'd become increasingly impatient and angry. She also said she'd written to Glasgow University to tell them she believed Zaid Khan was a compulsive liar. Patty says she wasn't ready to listen to these warnings. Already at this stage, I felt like I was in love with the guy, so I kind of just didn't pay heed to her warnings. What did she say specifically about him? Oh, that he was extremely controlling and coercive, and again, he wanted to get married to her, etc., so... You know, painting a picture of a similar repeating pattern of behaviour. Patty says she needed to know more about Khan's past. Through social media, she made contact with a woman in America 
who knew Khan before he came to Scotland. She met Khan in China when they were both studying at a university in Beijing. So I started investigating and I felt that this other American woman would hold the key to many of the unknowns about him, which indeed it turned out she did. She said she always saw him talking to a child on Zoom or whatever it was at the time, and she always felt, gosh, maybe that's his child. She told me that they were engaged and that, you know, he had applied for a visa to go to the States, but that his visa was turned down. We've confirmed Zaid Khan didn't tell the American student he was already married and the child was indeed his. When his plans to find a new wife and relocate to America failed, he left China and returned to Pakistan in the summer of 2014. On the 21st of October that year, his wife, Sonia, was murdered there. By early 2018, the social worker Patty felt the relationship with Zaid Khan had broken down and she had enough worries to make a formal complaint about him to Glasgow University, where he was a year into his PhD. As well as describing aspects of the relationship, Patty told the university about what she calls his dark, troubled history in Pakistan. She detailed his different versions of Sonia's killing and urged the university to do its own investigation into Khan's background. Patty filed her complaint on the 21st of February, 2018. By coincidence, that's the same day the lecturer Becca went on a date with Zaid Khan, where she says he grabbed her hands and forcefully kissed her. Once Becca discovered he could be teaching young students, she filed her own complaint because she felt the behavior she'd witnessed put other women at risk. So by mid-2018, Glasgow University had at least two formal complaints about Zaid Khan and a warning letter all from women he'd been involved with. The more we dug into this story, the more important it became to know more about Zaid Khan's history before he arrived at Glasgow University. So time to shift our investigation to Pakistan. What really happened to Sonia? And does it link to the multiple complaints about her husband four years later at Glasgow University? One of the great advantages of Al Jazeera is our global network of reporters. I'm Sadha Chowdhury, an investigative journalist based in Pakistan. I'm going to try to find out what really happened to Zaid Khan's wife, Sonia. I'm heading to the town where they lived. leaving Pakistan's capital, Islamabad, en route to Mansara to meet law enforcement who investigated Sonia's case. It's about two and a half hours north. I speak Urdu, but I'm heading for a region where the main languages are Pashto or Hindko. So I'm teaming up with Sayed, who's a local journalist, he can translate, and he's also got good police contacts. In fact, he remembers this case as being unusual. 
Syed has just told us that he reported on the story, but he found it interesting that no family members actually wanted to discuss this brutal murder. Syed and I have just arrived at Mansera Police Station. The police officer is saying the case file that we have obtained does not have enough information. We need to locate the police files that were submitted internally. Syed has just been notified that two of the officers that worked on the investigation have retired. So we will be locating their telephone numbers and hoping to connect with them at a later date. Okay, it's taken a few days, but I finally got a pile of police documents in English and Urdu. There's a statement from the day of the murder, October 21st, 2014. It's by the police officer who spoke to Zayed Khan, who said he was lecturing at another university when the murder happened. The officer's statement recording the interview with Khan is read by an actor. He reported with the dead body of his wife from the hospital emergency ward. He was called by unknown persons and told his wife had been shot and injured. Local people brought her to the hospital, but she died on the way. He says she has no enemies. He says she was killed by an unknown accused entering the house. While that knocks down all the versions Zayed Khan told to different women, there's almost nothing more in the police file for three years, and that seems to be because Zayed Khan can't give them any more help in identifying the killer. 13 August 2017, current status of the case. We have heard the plaintiff is in England and we have no idea how to direct the investigation. With each twist and turn of this story, the two threads in Pakistan and Scotland become ever more closely woven together. But for now, that's where we're leaving the first half of this story. Glasgow University said it couldn't comment on individual cases, but takes all allegations seriously, investigates them fully, and works hard to ensure the safety and security of everyone on university campuses. Zaid Khan told us the claims made against him were arbitrary, unfounded, and false, and that we publish them at our peril. He also said two of his accusers had been prosecuted, but he had not. We'll explain that in the next episode. Also more from Sudaf about what happened in Pakistan after Sonia's murder. And we'll reveal why that's relevant to what happens in Scotland after Glasgow University received multiple complaints about Zaid Khan and how they dealt with them. If you've been affected by any of these stories, please reach out and talk to someone. We've compiled a list of helplines and support organisations on our website. You can find it at ajiunit.com.
Degrees of Abuse is reported by me, Alex Howlett, and Deborah Davies. This episode was produced by Kevin Hurton and audio edited by Craig Pennington and Leo Sofianis. Sound mixed by TVC Soho. Joda Frias is the executive producer and Phil Reese is Al Jazeera's director of investigative journalism. If you haven't already, subscribe to Al Jazeera Investigates, however you listen to podcasts. 